this week in the parish of bourses and market structure. Checkmate for chess as FTX becomes the fraud which is fundamentally tarnished exchange. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 171. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Of course, we're going to start with the bit carnage, the demise of FTX and more. Last week, we were quoting Jacques Maladupin, the famous French writer of the revolutionary period, Alexemple du Saturn, La Révolution dévore ses enfants. Taking Saturn as an example, the revolution eats its children. And ultimately, that's how it seems to be ending up. While Binance FTX has sucked up all the crypto media oxygen of late, the reality is the bad news in crypto recently has been the success of the SEC's suet and see precedent chasing strategy, which has hit pay dirt. LBRY failed the Howie test. Now potentially just about every token can be deemed a security, most significantly Ethereum. Now, we can presume that the likes of Elizabeth Warren and others are going to be gunning for crypto, and both Gigi and Rustin Benham, as the head of the SEC and CFTC respectively, look exposed through inactivity at best, and hence they will need to redouble their efforts to sort things out. As we all know, precipitate regulatory action under political duress has essentially never resulted in a better, more flexible working environment for freer, better functioning markets. And what now for Sam the Man, who was previously the legendary SBF? Well, if he hadn't given so much money to DC candidates, I would have been more convinced an orange jumpsuit looms for him for a considerable period of time. It ought to, as he was commingling and stealing client funds to give to Almeida, a subsidiary in his empire, which many have alleged received preferential treatment on FTX exchanges. Thus, we would indeed like to throw down the gauntlet to Elizabeth Warren. Will you seek the unvarnished truth about SBF after his bipartisan history of donating vast sums to the Democratic Party? And indeed, it has to be said, on a bipartisan basis, he also gave a wadge of cash to the GOP chairman of the Agriculture Committee, who just happened to oversee the CFTC, who SBF was trying to influence with a whole new set of regulations. Zero prizes for guessing on the latter rationale why he was being so bipartisan. Regulation is coming to crypto and the phrase hasty, overly prescriptive screw-up may yet be appended to that, but a crackdown there will be and that will likely leave the incumbents badly damaged if not outright deceased. In the latest filings about FTX itself, the truth emerged that an Ivy League education may give you woke ability, but when it comes to workability, you are essentially unemployable through cluelessness when it comes to running a business. Unless, of course, you have a few billion behind you and backing, in which case you're viewed as a demigod until the wheels fall off. 
And of course, in other news, Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11 years in prison this week. Speaking of how demigods fail and the failure of the education system, we have an epic filing in US government history. Not quite as outright funny as the recent Onion Supreme Court filing, but nonetheless every bit as wacky. In the United States Bankruptcy Court for the District of Delaware and re FTX Trading Limited et al. One Debtors, Chapter 11, Case Number 2211068JTD.24, was filed on the 17th of November. Liquidator John J. Ray notes, Never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. That's only really foreplay once you get into the report. It gets even more damning still. The FTX group did not maintain centralised control of its cash. Cash management procedural failures included the absence of an accurate list of bank accounts and account signatories, as well as insufficient attention to the creditworthiness of banking partners around the world. Meanwhile, for those who were concerned about work from home having got out of hand, FTX may yet prove the high watermark. Mr. Ray goes on, The FTX's group approached to human resources, combined employees of various entities and outside contractors with unclear records and lines of responsibility. At this time, the debtors have been unable to prepare a complete list of who worked for the FTX group as of the petition date or the terms of their employment. Repeated attempts to locate certain presumed employees to confirm their status have been unsuccessful to date. I mean, elsewhere, Sam Bankman-Fried has claimed that he forgot about $8 billion. Meanwhile, some people have clearly forgotten they even have a job with FTX. That, frankly, trumps even the Maltese government payroll at election time. Ultimately, this whole farrago prompted a multitude of health warnings in Exchange Invest when it was leading with this coverage. Most notably, the damage to screens across multiple different kinds of devices has been significant in recent weeks as coffee has been sputtered left, right and centre in reply to, well, take this example. Mr. Ray once again. The debtors did not have the type of disbursement controls that I believe are appropriate for a business enterprise. For example, employees of the FTX group submitted payment requests through an online chat platform where a disparate group of supervisors approved disbursements by responding with personal emojis. I know, I know, you're thinking at least it wasn't a GIF, but in so many ways emojis just feel very last decade best practice for internal communications, don't they? Meanwhile, Mr. Ray continued, In the Bahamas, I understand that corporate funds of the FTX group were used to purchase homes and other personal items for employees and advisors. I understand that there does not appear to be documentation for certain of these transactions as loans and that certain real estate was recorded in the personal name of these employees and advisors on the records of the Bahamas. Well, the latest on this, ladies and gentlemen, is that thanks to a Reuters scoop, we're talking $122 million property portfolio purchased by FTX, SBF himself, the Greater Bankman-Fried family, and other FTX insiders. 
This would appear to have been funded, at least in part, by the FTX funding rounds itself. Apparently, when they raised $420 million in hard cash from investors, SBF promptly trousered $300 million of it. At least those assets are on a good old-fashioned property register. Mr. Ray continues in the realm of digital asset custody, and it gets more damning still. The FTX group did not keep appropriate records or security controls. With respect to its digital assets, Mr. Bankman-Fried and Mr. Wang controlled access to digital assets of the main business in the FTX group with the exception of Ledger X regulated by the CFTC and certain other regulated and or licensed subsidiaries. Unacceptable management practices included the use of an unsecured GREEP email account as the root user to access confidential private keys and critically sensitive data for the FTX group companies around the world, the absence of daily reconciliation of positions on the blockchain, the use of software to conceal the misuse of customer funds, the secret exemption of Alameda from certain aspects of FTX.com's auto-liquidation protocol. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, proof that Alameda were actually playing within a bent casino. And the absence of independence governance as between Alameda, owned 90% by Mr. Bankman-Fried and 10% by Mr. Wang, and the dot-com silo in which third parties had invested. In other words, it all looks rather like John Belushi does corporate governance. So ultimately, the CFTC were dancing with the devil. The exchange was, call it as you prefer, a casino, a racket, a fraud, but it was not a level playing field exchange, at least certainly not beyond Ledger X. But nonetheless, FTX overall were dealing considerably with the CFTC as, indeed, it looks incredible now with the benefit of 2020 hindsight that Sam Bankman-Fried made any progress whatsoever with his utterly ludicrous plan to rejuvenate remodel and ultimately, I think, disassemble when everything it would have managed to hit the fan, the whole concept of central counterparty clearing. I could go on. All the details, though, were in Exchange Invest Daily this week, to which all subscribers have been duly elucidated on the day of publication. All it remains for me to say is to note that Mr. Ray declared upon penalty of perjury that the foregoing was true and correct in his report. Well, given that it's as far from a pro forma Chapter 11 filing as I think it's feasible to ever get, gosh, unless, I don't know, the Supreme Court commissions Elon Musk and Johnny Depp to reinterpret the bankruptcy code, this has surely got to be as wacky as it gets, at least for this cryptocurrency bubble. Meanwhile, the litigation is ongoing. I'd mentioned in Exchange Invest many moons ago we were going to see A2A, all-to-all -all litigation, the S2E model, as I call it, where you sue to everybody. And indeed, we've now started to see a litany of class action suits coming through, most notably a large number of celebrity endorsers, including Tom Brazy, Giselle Bündchen, the Golden State Warriors, Shaquille O'Neal, and indeed Kevin O'Leary, have all been subpoenaed and made responsible for the many billions of dollars in damages according to plaintiffs' actions. Gosh, as I said many days ago in Exchange Invest, don't be surprised if FTX becomes the Christmas class action suit carnival of 2022. Of course, if you're reading Exchange Invest, clearly you weren't, as we told you that, days, weeks actually, in advance of the lawsuits arriving. Let's leave the topic of bit carnage for this week by referring to the FTX reckoning an article in Politico. Quoting Jeffrey Sprecher, the chief executive and chairman of ICE, he pointed out, I've always found it odd that the regulators haven't used the existing rules a little more aggressively. They certainly aren't shy with us. 
That mot juste goes beautifully alongside another quotation from Politico in the article Washington Watchdogs Outgunned in Crypto's Wild West. Former SEC enforcer John Reed Stark comments of the regulators and the regulators seeking to blame the practitioners. Blame them? That's like Oswald blaming the Secret Service because he killed Kennedy. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In the mainstream of exchanges this week, EEX sees the EU plans for gas prices cap as a threat to supply security, which is a pleasant euphemism for beyond stupid even for the high bar of idiocy set by the EU over several decades. Meanwhile, Xavier Rollet has been talking to the Financial News. He noted the litmus test of London's appeal as a global financial centre will be whether it retains its dominance in the one quadrillion notional interest rate swap clearing market once European clearing equivalency expires. It was a busy week for results in the parish. Let's look at two highlights. NSE India, the consolidated net profit soaring, rose 62% in the September 22 quarter, while GPW, the Warsaw Stock Exchange, they reported their nine-month results, sagging a little bit along with the stock market there. Net profit down 10.6% year on year. Deal news this week. One really, really exciting piece of information. In Abu Dhabi, Mubadala, the sovereign wealth fund of the Emirate, they've acquired a stake in Air Carbon Exchange, which is, of course, nowadays basing a significant amount of its operations out of Abu Dhabi itself. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like more Pith from Patrick and you want to read it at some point in time, catch a copy of my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of that book to turn up, well, instead of pondering Victory or Death, ponder IPO Vid. You can find it on Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn. Search IPO Vid. Our most recent show was an epic Brendan Bradley, the doyen of product development the world over in futures markets in recent years. He was discussing evolving markets, evolving careers. And in our next show coming Tuesday at 7 p.m. European time. That's one o'clock Eastern. We're going to have our guest, Professor Balaji Prabhakar. He's going to be discussing accelerating the cloud. Product news this week. ICE's long gilt futures. They have their 40th anniversary. The shorts and the mediums may never really have caught on due to lots of issues about cheapest to deliver, oscillating faster than recent British governments. However, the long gilt future represents the finest of Britain's long-dated government bonds and was celebrating last week its anniversary. What a remarkable 40 years of history that has been. 940 traded contracts since this market first emerged at the Royal Exchange all those years ago. And perhaps most significantly of all, while a pint of beer may have gone from 62 pence to four pounds, amongst other many inflationary actions over that time, the spectacular number from the long gilt pit to the electronic long gilt market on ice today is the execution and clearing fee, 28 pence, the same as it was the day it was launched 40 years ago. Remember that message, 
That was at a point in time when we were in the early years of Pope John Paul II's papacy. Mrs. Thatcher was in her first term as PM and it didn't look as if she was necessarily going to get a second term while Ronald Reagan was smarting as a poor economy allowed the Democrats to even take a House seat in West Virginia during the midterms a week earlier. My how times change, but 28 pence remains the fee for your long gilt future. Technology news this week, and what an epic announcement it was. Finally, ASX have bit the bullet. In the month where we learnt FTX was all a crypto chimera, we have similarly learnt that the chess update process was also a chimera. It's total embarrassment, but not before time for the frankly flawed digital asset software and utter shame on the house of ASX who have stubbornly pursued windmills with a vigour which could surely have had even Don Quixote rethinking whether continued tilting made sense. Umpteen years later, millions of man-hours and $170 million down the drain, and yet, and yet the ASX chairman Damien Roach offered a subtle non-pology, which demonstrates more the ignorance prevailing at ASX HQ in these heady days when, gosh, they have, after all, been self-proclaiming themselves as a technology company. The non-pology says, we began this project with the latest information available at that time. However, after further review, including consideration of the findings of the independent review, there are significant technology governance and delivery challenges that must be addressed, i.e. nothing worked, Nothing worked at any point in time, nothing was compatible with what went on, and nobody could actually make the system work. Those are subtly, yes, I suppose one could call them, significant technology governance and delivery challenges. Egg on face for the entire Australian Securities Exchange Group. And meanwhile, car crash Kengator has unfortunately another slightly festering disaster on his hands. Albeit he didn't start this one, but he did buy into digital asset holdings when it was already clear to many in the parish that the chess replacement was a disaster. Regulation news this week, obvious statement of the month. We're missing the bigger picture, say industry experts in London while crying, if not screaming, for urgent regulatory reform, despite the fact that the Bank of England seems determined to manage to keep Britain as if it were still within the EU without noticing any change of the course of the last 10 years. Career paths this week, we begin with sad news. Nigel Babbage, a champion of New Zealand capital markets, tragically died suddenly just days before his final board meeting as a non-executive director of the New Zealand Exchange NZX. He was a man, as James Miller, the outgoing chairman, noted, of immense passion and integrity, something he demonstrated through his 35-year career as a currency trader, businessman, conservationist and director. RIP, a great parishioner, Nigel Babbage. Scott Bradley, he's the latest senior departure in the LSEG restructuring. The LSEG is undergoing a considerable headcount reduction. Alas, as the group management cannot bring Refinitiv under control, that means removing senior people with vast experience like Dr Robert Bounds and now Scott Bradley. Once again, LSEG has its eye on the bottom line with the wrong kind of squint and no appreciation of the future, just the next quarter or two. And that, ladies and gentlemen, leaves us to the big surprise of the week in markets. The Saudi Stock Exchange closed on Wednesday after an epic and momentous moment in football. The Saudi football team beating Argentina multi-world champions in the opening match they were playing of the World Cup. 
I have to say, I applaud the Tadwell decision for such an epic football victory, even as a non-football fan, although some might argue the hand of God was in this historic victory. Or perhaps the fact the hand of God wasn't in this historic victory helped them to actually defeat Argentina. The whole fact of it, of course, must rub salt in the wounds of Qatari soccer fans. Not only did they see their team defeated in their opening match, but of course, some might argue that soccer here was only an afterthought in the regional geopolitical relationship throughout the Middle East. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you all a great week in what remains of the blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.